Animals Eye View podcast, and I'm your host, Lizanne Flynn. We're at the point with the intuitive muscle that we can begin taking it out for a spin and seeing exactly how fabulous it is and how beneficial it can be to your life experience. I'll give you a set of keys to use, and then we'll be off. Whatever question or information you're wanting support with or information on, it's best to keep it simple specific in both context and time and in the form of a statement. An example would be, it is in my highest and best good to publish a podcast at this point in time. Rather than ask an open-ended question, should I do a podcast, you're giving your request the beginning of a highest and best good and an ending of at this point in time, so that your energy field and body know exactly where, where to gather the information for you, highest and best good, and this point in time. It's like being in a building and asking the director in front of you, should I take the stairs or the elevator to get to my destination? When you say, taking the elevator to my destination is in my highest and best good at this point in time, you're being more specific and asking that outcome of energy to respond with a yes or no. A clear preference based on the two definers, highest and best good and this point in time, will usually become immediately apparent in the form of a yes or a no. I say usually because if for whatever reason your intention isn't stated clearly enough or felt enough, or some other emotion interferes with it, the answer will be affected naturally by that energy. So focusing your entire attention on that intention and statement is key, as well as letting go of any emotion and being willing to embrace the answer and not fear the answer. So let's start with the sway test, which is one of my favorites. Stand with your feet about hip distance apart, knees slightly bent, and arms by your side. Say something that you know to be true. I am X number of years old is usually a good one. Your body will sway forward slightly or a lot with a yes. If it doesn't seem like you're moving, bring your attention to blow your neck and into your body and go again. You'll get it. Your calves may tighten slightly as your body sways forward. Now try it with a no, which is a sway backwards. You can use the same statement and alter it. I am X years old so that it's not true. You'll feel your body sway backwards either slightly or a lot with a no and your quadriceps might tighten slightly as your body sways backwards. So the next time you're pondering what decision to make, it is in my highest and best good to take that new job I was offered. A sway forward or backwards will give you the information that you need. And the interesting thing is that you can ask many, many times, and the answer will usually stay the same, as the caveat implies. If you're going to ask a question, get ready for the answer. Remember, I invite you not to get too attached to things like this, especially in an emotionally charged situation, such as breaking up with my girlfriend or boyfriend at this point in time is in my highest and best good. Your emotional state will affect the energy, so neutrality is your friend as far as the outcome goes. This really is about asking the question and accepting the answer, which, of course, is also always about choice. Let's move on with the pendulum as an extension tool of your body's energetic field. 
You can make your own pendulum or buy a fancy crystal one. My first pendulum was a metal washer on a piece of thread that I was given as part of the canine massage certification course. You can use a necklace or a really dangly earring, a keychain, pretty much anything will work in a pinch. Your body's energy field has its own individual yes and no. The pendulum will move in a very specific direction so that every statement you pose to it will give you consistent, accurate results. Hold the pendulum with your palm closed around the non-weighted end as if you were handing something, handing a writing pen or a pencil to someone to use. With your hand loosely closed, loop the weighted end over the fingers that are slightly curled in on your palm and your thumb resting on top of the fingers so that it, so that it keeps the pendulum from slipping out of your hand. Make sure that the weighted end can swing freely. In order to find your yes and no, make a statement that you know to be true. Something like, I am X number of years old, or if you're tired of that one, use my name is X, using both a true and then a false denominator. Again, it's important to detach a bit from your brain wanting to be in charge and make the pendulum move in a certain way. It will honestly move all by itself, trust me. And it will feel different and new when it does move because you'll feel a slight tingle of energy in your hand that's connected with your body, which I think is way cool and pretty fun. It's important to keep your hand steady and just let the tool work for you, which is the purpose of tools everywhere, right? Your yes may be in a circle clockwise or counterclockwise. It may be a back and a forth. Just take note of what this is for you. Now move on to the no answer make the same statement. My name is X, only this time use a name that isn't yours. I like to use Madonna or Cher or someone famous just for fun. Notice the difference in the way the pendulum moves this time and it will definitely be different than your yes. These two answers will never vary for you because they're based on your individual field of energy. Stepping up into the world of oracle cards may necessitate a bit more interpretation than a yes or a no, and, well, I like using all of my decks because you can't have too many, you know, and sometimes for the same issue, just because. I've got cards about animals, crystals, gods and goddesses, shamans. There's a deck for everyone out there, to be sure. I'll post a podcast about crystals at some point, and the same thing goes for choosing an oracle deck. When you hold it in your hand, it needs to feel good to you, and something about it draws you to it. Whether that's the artwork or the subject matter, like animals or mermaids or fairies, it just needs to feel good. The process is the same in forming the intention to use your field of energy. Highest and best good, this point in time. I invite you to shuffle the deck while holding your intention and your thoughts. Fan the cards out in your hand and just choose the one that might jump out at you. Sometimes the card might even leap by itself out of the deck, which always is pretty funny. As with all the other tools, you can ask the same statement of all the decks you have, and it will be quite likely you'll get a very similar answer to the question, and perhaps a hidden facet of the issue that you're meant to see. Having fun is mandatory. That's the whole point, the animals would say. Now, where can you use these tools? pretty much everywhere and an incredibly broad variety of situations in life. What food or supplements are in my highest and best good, what job or career is in my highest and best good, and most especially what relationships are in my highest and best good. I invite you to remember that highest and best good does not always mean what you want to have happen. Your soul and life paths may have evolved to the point that being in a relationship that's challenging for you 
is actually in your highest and best good so that you can create firm boundaries for yourself. Staying in a job that doesn't seem to fit or feels uncomfortable may be giving you enough contrast to determine that your happiness and what you do is actually a priority over how much money you make. Such is the way of this life experience, and the animals emphatically state that this is the same for them. They're just much better at accepting what is and looking forward to what's coming next. By returning to the body itself again and from a more in-depth scientific standpoint, we can stand once again firmly on a platform of information which I hope will be centering for you. I think it will. As humans, we've accepted the premise that life experience on this planet has a certain amount of stress built into it, which we must accept as just how it is. We feel it, we don't like it, it has a not good effect on our bodies, and to a certain extent, we've approved of its, of its existence. I know for sure that animals soundly reject that premise. It's not that they don't acknowledge the shadow aspect of this experience that stress represents. They just more accurately see it as contrast and as an invitation to do anything other than that which causes them stress. Have you ever noticed that they rarely do something unless it brings them joy in the moment or in the very next moment? Sleeping is usually joyful as is intermittent napping. Eating is usually wonderful and done with gusto with complete disregard for whether their food is quote-unquote good for them or not and tracking of calories. They simply trust that it is. Playing in water is usually good depending upon the breed and species and I've even known some non-water dogs to love the water and for cats to love the water as well. Play comes quickly and easily to them and they usually have excellent boundaries about who is allowed into their inner circle. They don't waffle. It's either a heck yes or a heck no. And if they do find themselves in a have-to situation, usually involving a human who wants them to do something, you'll know without a doubt that they're less than thrilled with whatever is happening. Humans in our experience have exactly the same choices to make as to whether a thing, situation, or person brings us joy or not, and to allow it, or not, to come into our experience. All of what we encounter is based on the energy, the frequency and the vibration of the aforementioned categories and how our body responds to that energy. We're not different from anim animals at all in how our bodies experience the energy that surrounds us, and it's our interpretation of the energy that leaves a bit to be desired. I'll throw into the mix a certain category of nervous system hardwiring, whose original phrase of hypersensitivity was originally coined by Carl Jung. It was renamed sometime after into high sensitivity, which has a less of a you don't fit neatly into our box tone than hyper, and is meant to be merely a descriptor rather than a designation. In a nutshell, it is about people whose nervous systems have a lower threshold of stimulation than the other 80% of the population. Along with having this kind of energy receiver built into the body is naturally a brain that hums along, usually, with this input because the brain's job is to make sense of the energy and decide what file folder, file cabinet, room, house, neighborhood, etc. in which to put said energy. Those of you listening who already know this about yourself might be going, aha, which can be a challenge because the brain goes all of the time and when we put it in charge, it has difficulty turning itself off. Now, because this threshold of stimulation is lower, the body also tends to bring in more of the energy surrounding it, which makes the body in turn more susceptible to overload. 
When the nervous system has reached its limit, it can't do its job of keeping you safe on the planet, which is what its main prerogative is. So it sends out all kinds of signals like claustrophobia, insomnia, blurred vision, anxiety attacks, or generally just feeling like you stuck your finger into an outlet on the wall so that your body is literally humming with energy. The nervous system figures you, as the owner of the body, will buy a clue from Vanna and either get some downtime or extra sleep or whatever is needed. Nature is really good for this, so that it can come back online for you once again. This special category of physical form can also sometimes be referred to as being an empath, and one whose body picks up more easily on the energy fields of other beings, and also the thoughts and emotions contained in those energy fields. I think it's safe to say that all animals have the trait of high sensitivity. With animals that we've domesticated, such as dog and, and cats, having that trait is muted just a bit more than animals in the wild. Even among species such as dogs, this trait will vary a bit from breed to breed. Say, be different between a border collie and a terrier, or a golden and a labrador retriever. I invite you to Google the trait of high sensitivity and click on the website HS Person that belongs to Elaine Aaron. She's researched and written on the subject for decades and I really love all the books she's authored that explains in depth, quote, how to thrive when the world overwhelms you, end quote. There's a quiz on her website if you're not sure if your body has this trait and I highly recommend you take the quiz and if applicable, identify as someone whose body has the trait of high sensitivity. You were born this way, and it also happens to be a genetic trait, so either one or both of your parents likely have the trait, and if you have siblings and children, they may have it as well. Kind of like the color of your eyes and the size of your feet, it is something that can't be changed about your body. It's absolutely an acid and a superpower should you choose to use it as such in responding to the world around you versus reacting to the emotions your body gives to you. Something that we'll talk about in our next podcast because as the animals will say, you all have simply got to chill out more. You've been listening to the Animals Eye View podcast and I'm your host, Lizanne Flynn. See you next time. Thank you.